Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. I didn't print any sermon notes today. Um, If you need to grab a notebook and pen, go ahead and get it ready. But Hebrews chapter 2, and starting in verse 3. It's an incredible thought to think that already right now there are people all through this congregation that have already been set free, that everything has just changed for them hearing that, and that they know that they don't have to take their life and that they can keep on living. I'm I'm kind of just I'm kind of just overwhelmed and shocked at this. And we're going to we're going to take that portion and cut it for YouTube and then we'll make just a video that's just that part of the service and then we'll send a link and then we can blast it all over the place. Okay. Hebrew Amen. <laughs> Hebrews 2 in verse 3. I'm having a hard time getting it together after that. I'm just so moved by this. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and it was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness with signs and wonders, with divers miracles, gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you. Please help me. I believe that you gave me this, and I believe that it's because you knew on this day that you'd have Janice here to share this and that you're wrapping it all up together. Thank you in your name. Amen. I'm going to just take off on this, but I want to encourage you that when you go home to read that, those two verses just over and over and over again, please. The salvation that God promised to bring, thousands of years ago, he promised that salvation would come. The salvation that he promised to bring, the, the forgiveness of sin, the redemption of fallen humanity in the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus came and did this. And this is the proof. And many of you are the proof. No one can do this but Jesus. You can't fake that. You cannot turn your own life around like that. Not in a lasting way. So that salvation that God promised, it came in the death of Jesus Christ. Now, the confirmation that he really was who he said that he was, that confirmation came in the resurrection 
All of our sins were paid for the moment he shed his blood. His resurrection didn't pay for my sin. His shed blood paid for my sin. But his resurrection told me, yep, that was really the guy, and he really paid for your sin. (laughs) Not only was his resurrection a confirmation, but this writer in Hebrews says that it was confirmed to us by them that heard him. All of the people that followed Jesus, the apostles that followed him, and many, many others, when they were threatened with death for claiming Jesus, none of them changed their testimony. It would have been really easy for them to say, I mean, listen, they're getting ready to be burned alive, or they're getting ready to be, uh, you know, Andrew was filleted alive. Peter was crucified upside down. He chose upside down. He said he wasn't worthy to die like his Lord died. They boiled John in oil, but it didn't work. It didn't even hurt him. Over and over again, these when, when death was in their face, some of us might have said, Oh, you know, I'm not really sure about Jesus. Whatever they had witnessed was so strong. Whatever miracles they had seen were so sure. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus was so matter of fact. The change that he had made was still in their life that when faced with death, they still said, Nope. That's the guy, that's the son of God, and the son of man, that's the savior, that's the Messiah. And they, they looked death in the face and welcomed it. It was confirmed by them that heard him. We have the surest thing in the world when it comes to evidence. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, diverse miracles, gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. So what were those signs and wonders and miracles? The signs being that this one perfectly fulfilled every prophecy that had been given concerning Messiah, Savior, Son of Man, Son of God, which was a mathematical impossibility for a person to do that unless they were who they said they were, and Jesus did with the wonders and the miracles that confirmed it started with a little boy Jesus who had way more knowledge and authority than should have been possible in standing in the temple and teaching the religious rulers so all the way to Jesus changing water to wine and walking on water and healing the sick and opening blinded eyes and opening deaf ears and raising the dead back to life. The testimony is sure, and God confirmed who he was. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he is the Savior of the world. So the writer says, 
With all of this evidence, the writer says, with all the rest testimony, with all of this fulfilled prophecy, with all of these miracles, with the resurrection of the dead, he says, how will we escape if we neglect that? If we reject that salvation, how in the world will we escape complete destruction? How will we escape the wrath to come? How will we escape the loss, the eternal loss of our souls if we reject this which is being offered? If we close our eyes to the truth, if we shut up our heart to the voice of the Holy Spirit, if we ignore our conscience and we ignore the call of God, which we feel to receive him, how will we escape? The fact that Jesus came to the earth does nothing for the individual that ignores him. Jesus coming to the earth has no bearing or change on the life of that one which ignores him. His death does not benefit the one that refuses him. His resurrection brings no life to someone who chooses to live life on their own terms. A gift does nothing for the recipient if they refuse to open it. A gift given to an individual does nothing for them if they don't unwrap it. You could have the greatest thing in the world. You could have exactly what you want on Christmas morning. It could be wrapped up beautifully, and I wrapped this one beautifully because my grandma taught me how. A person could have exactly what they want, and it wouldn't do anything. If somebody's feet were cold and they asked for socks, and somebody paid the price for the socks, and they wrapped the socks up, and they gave them, and now the person, they're, they're holding the socks inside of this box. But the socks will never, you liked the rhyme, didn't you? It was unintentional. The socks will never warm their feet inside of the package. A gift does nothing for the recipient if they refuse to open it. And while salvation is free, it is a gift. So it requires opening. Salvation is a gift. Romans 6 and 23 the wages of sin is death. Janice, you lived in death. And that's what sin does. Sin wreaks havoc in your life. You are living in hell before you come to Jesus. 
people focus on a place called hell later, and they ignore the Bible message that runs true through all of Scripture about the condition of hell that already exists. I don't wait to die to be in death. I'm in death right now without the Lord Jesus. I live in a state of death until I receive The wages of sin is death. As sin continues, seeds of death are constantly being sown and constantly being reaped. And people continue to sow more to try to fill an empty spot. And the temporary pleasure of sin never fills anything. It only distracts. You know, there are people that try to survive on distracting themselves. They try to do whatever they can to distract from what they're, they're feeling. And so they distract themselves temporarily, but it never fills. That's the definition of, uh, of addiction. It's pleasure without satisfaction. It'll please you for a moment, but it doesn't fill anything. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. God's salvation is a free gift, but it must be opened. You have to open the gift. Ephesians 2 and 8 says it this way. For by grace are you saved through faith. In that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God's gift of salvation in Jesus means nothing for you if you don't open it. And you open it through faith. Your faith is how you open it. You make a decision. You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. And you tell God, I believe, I receive you, come in. And not only do we do this for the gift of salvation itself, but every gift, and Jesus paid for a lot on the cross. Jesus did not just pay simply for forgiveness. He paid for restoration. He paid for you to be transformed. He paid for you to be brand new. He paid, he paid for you to be healed. He paid for you to be whole. He paid for you to be complete. He paid for you to be filled with his Holy Spirit. He paid for you to receive knowledge and wisdom and power and authority. The believer in Jesus Christ walks in authority over dominions and principalities and wicked rulers in high places. We've been given authority in the name of Jesus. We've been given authority by our faith to take dominion over sin and death and sickness and demon spirits that would try to wreak havoc in our life. We don't have to sit by idly and not do anything about it. We've been given power. Jesus paid for all kinds of gifts on the cross, but we must appropriate them and open them by faith. We stand on the promises of God. We pursue the promises of God. It is so sad 
that people don't receive a forgiveness that's already been paid for and offered to them. It is also sad that those who have received the gift aren't making a priority of telling others that it's available. Romans 10 and 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? This verse says, how is anybody going to get saved if you don't tell How will somebody receive Jesus if they don't know that Jesus loves them? How will they know that God will move into their heart and live through them if you don't tell them? Faith comes by hearing. How will they have the faith to place in what God has for them if they're not hearing, if we're not telling Rose and I had not been married very long at all when I was invited to preach in a, a series of revival services in Tempe, Arizona, just 30 minutes from Phoenix. My great uncle was also invited to preach. I never knew, I, I didn't know my uncle until after I was already. Uh, in the ministry, already pastoring. I never knew he was a preacher. But we weren't really around that part of the family. But he and I were invited to preach, and we went together. And my uncle, he knew the, the host pastor. Most of the people that attended that church were millionaires, including the pastor. And they were very, very kind, very, very generous, very loving people. And my uncle had helped to start that church uh, some 10 or 15 years before that point. And so my uncle set the meetings up, and we flew out. And they took us to this beautiful golf resort is where we were staying. That's where they were putting us up. And we get, had like, it was like a whole house, this beautiful place. And, you know, we all advertised this huge breakfast buffet with, you know, fruit sculptures and on and on and on. And they had massage therapists there. And, of course, they had golfing. And, I mean, anything you can imagine, it was all there. But it was all really, really expensive, and I didn't have any money. I was just glad to be staying somewhere. You know, we had we had no money. And in the uh, in the room, you know, they had the stocked fridge, and there was all kinds of, you know, the Snickers bar and M and M's and whatever, whatever you could want. You know, a pack of M and M's was only about ten bucks, so you know, a little bottle of juice was only about six dollars. And we had no money, you know, and this is going back almost 20 years now anyway. And so everything was very, very expensive. Uh, 
but we were just happy to be somewhere. So it didn't matter that we, it, you know, I was not about to drop whatever it cost on that breakfast buffet. But that didn't matter. We were just happy to be there. Things went, And we were there for several, several days, almost a week, these revival meetings went on. So on the, the last morning when we were getting ready to leave, uh, Pastor Clater came to pick us up and take us to the airport. And we got in the car, and uh, it's my Uncle Ernie and, and my Aunt Ruby and Rose and I and Dolores Johnson went, and I forget. So we're, we're in the car, and the pastor is talking about the great week that we had and the miracles that happened and all that. And he said, did you all enjoy your stay? Oh, yeah, thank you, you know. He said, the accommodation's nice. Oh, it was great, beautiful, beautiful place. And uh, he said, y'all get in on that breakfast buffet and get some massages and stuff like that? We're like, no, no, we didn't. We didn't do that. And he, he had a real funny look. And he said, oh, okay. He said, well, do you have anything to drink in the room or eat some candy and cookies and this and that? Did you get some room service? He said, no, no. He's like, oh. And he was kind of wondering, you know, why. And we're like, well, that, it was all really, really expensive and, you know, hundreds of dollars and things. Well, we're, we're great, you know. Y'all go play golf. No, everything was really expensive, but we were happy to just be here. It was a little, you know, second honeymoon for us. It was, he said, well, he said all of that was was paid for. He said, your Uncle Ernie did tell you, right? <laughs> Uncle Ernie had to die. <laughs> he said, your Uncle Ernie did tell you, right? He said, that was our church's gift to you for coming. He said we pay. He said it was an open, open tab. He said that, that whatever that you were supposed to do, everything you wanted to do all week, and we would pay for whatever you did, all the food, and the steak, and the lobster, and the prime rib, and the golf, and the massages, and the breakfast, and I hate my uncle Ernie. <laughs> I mean, it was a weird silence in the car. And Uncle Ernie, he laughed. He said, well, he said, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> you know he did. You know Uncle Ernie did. <laughs> and we didn't have a car there. So, like, we didn't even eat breakfast. We didn't even drive to McDonald's that we could afford. We just sat in our room while somebody fanned Uncle Ernie and hand-fed him grapes. Massage his ugly old feet. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I am still angry. 
Sister, help me. I'm it's 20 years and I'm still festering. I'm angry. When I think about it, that's a true story. That really happened. That really happened. I, could, I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. Uncle Ernie, you know, the word gospel means simply good news. Uncle Ernie had been given a charge from the gift giver, Pastor Clater. The gift giver had charged Uncle Ernie to preach that good news and to tell us what was paid for, and he failed. We went through the whole life of that week, and when we came to the end, no one had told us what had been offered, but now it was too late. The trip was over. I was so angry that I had missed out on something that was already paid for. We were laughing, but my heart was screaming, why didn't he tell us? I wonder, I wonder how many of your family members and your friends are going to get to the end of their trip here only to realize that the time has now passed and that you knew the whole time what was paid for. I wonder how many of them will be stuck thinking, why didn't you tell me? A pastor went to visit an elderly lady from his congregation who lived very closely on a fixed income. I can't remember if this was uh, Ed Young or Adrian Rogers. One of those, it was one of those great Baptist preachers. And he went to visit this lady, and he was sitting talking to her in her little, little bitty apartment. And while they're talking, he noticed a beautiful little painting on the wall. And he went over to look at it, and he kind of grabbed it and took it down so he could really look at this little painting. It was a gift that had been left to this lady by her former employer when he passed away. He had left this painting to her in his will. She had been his housekeeper for years and years and was like family. I don't remember. He was a, a multimillionaire. I don't remember if he didn't have kids or if they were estranged. I don't know how the deal was. But when he passed, he left this painting to this housekeeper. And the pastor, while he's holding it, he noticed that something was stuck in the back of the canvas. The lady had never seen it there. He said, what is this? She said, I don't know. I didn't know anything was stuck in there. It was a certificate. with her employer's signature where he had signed over his fortune to her to receive after he passed.
she was a millionaire and lived in near poverty because she never knew. Jesus Christ has handed over the estate. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the Bible says that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says if he has given it all to Jesus, he would not withhold it from us. The glory of heaven belongs to us. But so many leave it hanging on the wall as something nice to look at. Just to mention at Easter and Christmas or to wear around our neck, but never ever opening. Come on, somebody. Never ever opening the gift. I feel like it could just get buck wild in here if y'all will let yourself. I feel like happening inside, and you're like, well, is this okay? I don't, I'm, I'm not from here. I don't know if we do it. Like, we, we'll do it Saudi way. Salvation is a gift, and it must be opened. It cannot be earned. You can't do enough for it. You don't have to do enough for it. You just have to open it. It cannot be earned. It cannot be worked for. It cannot be paid for, but simply opened by faith. It is the entire reason that Jesus... Paul, you better hurry. We're fixing to shout. Go pee fast. Hurry. <laughs> this precious gift of redemption and forgiveness and salvation and wholeness. Listen, I, I don't have to just be saved. I can also be happy. I can have peace. Come on. I, can, I don't have joy. I can have confidence. I don't have to live in confusion and chaos. And I don't have to live in fear. I haven't been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of peace and of power and of a sound mind. I've got love, grace, peace, and power and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's mine. Jesus paid for it. He left heaven to bring it to me. He came to earth to bring it to me. He put up with people to give it to me. He died on an old rugged cross to give it to me, and he rose again to hand it over himself. I bet you don't know anybody in your life that ever left a will but then came back to execute it. You know how squirrely it gets when somebody lets, you know, one of the kids, he's the executor of the will, trusted, and families split up? Jesus said, I'm not trusting this to anybody. I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die to offer my will, and I'm going to get up and execute it myself to make sure it's done just like Dad wants it done. 
this will, this gift, this salvation, this package, this present, this gift, it's the entire reason that Jesus came to the earth. When Mary swaddled baby Jesus, she had no idea she was wrapping the first Christmas present. The next time the gift was wrapped was at Jesus' burial. When God gave the ultimate sacrifice and offer to the world, if they'd only receive him, let's unwrap this gift. Let's unwrap this great salvation. Now, maybe you can't see all how thin this is getting. You saw that picture that they took at the, at the men's night, how it made it look like my hair was thinning on top. I'll show you something. Get rid of this. We are three part beings. We are a spirit. We have a mind. We are in a body. This body, this body will go back to dust. This body is just a container. This body just holds the spirit and holds the soul. It's just an empty vessel. Seven thousand years ago. God took the dust of the earth and he made a container. And it was just a body. Adam, Adam, it was just a Bible saying there. But then the Bible says that God breathed into the nostrils. And man became a living soul. Water has always been a symbol of life. And this dust body is actually about 60 to 70% water. And God created man perfectly and beautifully and clean. But he told man... He said, you can do whatever you want. He said, you can eat of all the trees. He said, but there's one tree in the middle of the garden. Don't eat of that tree. He said, that tree contains knowledge that will ruin you. 
He said, it's the knowledge of good and evil. Don't get it mixed up. It was not the tree of good and evil. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They already had the knowledge of good. They were walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. So to receive that knowledge was to receive the knowledge of evil. Now, what do we call the knowing of right and wrong? We call that the law. The law tells you what's right, what's wrong. Man had been living perfectly with God for free. But he decided to partake of law. He decided to partake of living his righteousness by balancing good with evil. I got to do enough good stuff. I got to refuse enough bad stuff. That's what law is. That's what the knowledge of good and evil is. It's works-based righteousness. That's what it is. And so here is man, sin inside of him. Look at this old ugly bottle of sin. Man partook of the knowledge of sin. It doesn't look real different to you yet. To me, real close, it looks yellow. Maybe you can see that. Once the knowledge of sin came in, now man had a tendency towards sin. One more bad decision, one more terrible choice, one more terrible act. And every time it steals from you, and every time it would stain, and everything that had been beautiful became ugly, and now it's a struggle. And listen, you can do all kinds of good things, but all these good things don't change the fact that you still don't want to drink this dirty water anymore. You have a pen or something? You can stir this. Hey, bring it up here. I'll get it real dirty. You can do all the good in the world. Thank you. But it's a mess. It's a mess. There's no way for us to fix ourselves. There's no way for us to get the sin out. But God loves us so much that he said, I will do something about it. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, earth, son of God, left heaven, and he came to earth, and he gave this gift to man. He died on an old rugged cross, and he said, if you will receive me, if you will just put faith in me, he said, I will do what you cannot do. He said, and I will wash all of the sin away. I will clean you. Come on, somebody. From the inside out. 
and I will make you brand new. This is the gift. This is the first Christmas gift. This is what God gave to man. He came and he did the impossible. It does you no good unless you open that gift. Give him another hand clap. Singers, musicians, would you come? Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.